0: Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Hunting Stories podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and today we're connecting with Thomas Hendrickson of Your Outdoors. Uh, Thomas is a lifelong hunter. Now, granted, he's only 23, but he's put down more elk than me and all of my buddies combined. So um, he's an impressive gentleman. And uh, beyond that, he's starting his new outdoor media company, and they have an awesome giveaway coming up. Um, you can find out more about the giveaway at the end of this podcast, so make sure you listen to the whole thing. Uh, so that being said, I don't want to steal any of Thomas's thunder, so we're going to go ahead and let, you tell, or let Thomas tell you some of his stories. Thank you. All right, Thomas, welcome to the Hunting Stories podcast, brother. How you doing?
1: Oh, pretty good. How are you?
0: I am doing well, man. I'm doing well. I want to say thank you very much for jumping on with me tonight. I can, I can very officially say, and I don't know if anyone will ever beat this record, but you are the fastest from like communication to actually recording a podcast. And there's a good reason for that. You have a pretty massive giveaway going on with your organization and I'll let you get into that. But I wanna say, just thank you, man, for for giving me your time. I'm excited to hear some of your stories. So um, why don't we kick this thing off by letting the people know who, who they're hearing stories from tonight?
1: Uh, yeah, so my name is Thomas Hendrickson.
0: Uh, I started
1: Vior Outdoors uh, not too long ago, which is why we're launching with the giveaway. Um, but I love elk hunting, um, and uh, on Vior we have a couple of different guys uh, on our team. But right now we're we're launching an elk archery elk giveaway, which is kind of my passion, and so that's that's kind of what we're getting into with this podcast. And I, I reached out to you about the giveaway and then uh we got we got in touch real fast that was yeah pretty crazy i remember you texted me (laughs) and you're like hey you know we could we could podcast
0: as early as tonight i was like oh crap (laughs) yeah right (laughs) yeah it was like less than less than uh probably 16 hours from like you reaching out to like this happening so i'm excited to hear it man but um god i had a question and i completely spaced it so we'll just cut that bit out in a little bit but um man we're here to tell some stories we'll talk more about you know what you're trying to do and your giveaway at the end but for now let's let's tell some hunting stories uh, you know let's start with this tell us a little bit more about you in hunting like where, where did you start hunting how long you've been doing it so i i started
1: hunting with my dad really really young i remember there's pictures where you know my dad's got that little baby vest you know where he's York. strapped yeah. He got him strapped to you and he had, he spray painted it camo and he took me out. So I, I went from pretty little and, and we did most of our hunting in like, uh, Eastern Oregon. Um, and, uh, we, we just did a lot of elk hunting, a lot of deer hunting and some turkey hunting. Uh, we tried our hand at bear really only because I was, you know, a youth and we, if there was a bear we shot it if there was not a bear then we didn't do that but we really like to do elk and i actually started uh doing it um with a muzzleloader that was that was the yeah. that was the tag man like because you can tell that's, uh, that's
0: how i started too man i actually started hunting in central washington muzzleloader elk so i know i know yeah. that vibe Muzzleloader's is fun if anyone's ever sh- like i recommend going and shooting a muzzleloader if not hunting with one but like a ton of fun to shoot with a giant boom and the poof of smoke. and Yeah. It's a, it's a fun experience. It sucks to clean a muzzleloader. But it it's, does. it's fun. It's fun to shoot them.
1: And they're not even, they don't even kick that hard. You know, I would say it's shotgun. like a, it's like a 12 gauge shotgun, you know what I mean? Or maybe yeah. even less, but they're, 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 they're really fun to, to hunt with. And the cool thing about the muzzleloader hunts is generally they give you a lot longer to hunt um like the seasons are going to be like one to three months Oh, really and,
0: uh, yeah. yeah in washington yeah. you get a good amount of time i think you get a couple of weeks in like the beginning of october in colorado you get only one week uh but that week is prime rut it is like oh. the smack dab center of september uh, as I've gone more and more towards archery, I hear more and more how people hate it. <laughs> but that's I'm not going to get into that debate. But uh, yeah, continue. man. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, you're
1: good. Uh, it was uh, in Oregon. It's changed since then. But back when I was doing muzzleloader, it was like, yeah, first season and second season. And first season lasted from August 1st to like. Oh, like middle of October. And then it went from uh, middle of October, second season, all the way till December 31st. So you had a long time and it was one mile within any agricultural land uh, over the whole state and you could shoot a cow. And so that was the tag that I did for a long time. And that's uh, that's kind of how I got into it. I got, uh, I think we, I got nine elk doing it that way. Wow, and uh, you're, yeah, I mean, got okay, one.
0: I gotta ask you're you're I think you're younger than I am. How how old are you that you've already killed nine elk? Oh, I'm I'm pretty fortunate. Um, but I'm
1: 23. Yeah, right. I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> and I've killed almost 17 elk. What? Yeah, I've been wow. really fortunate. I've never not filled the tag.
0: Okay. Um. All right, Thomas, and I don't. Make, you're making don't me upset, that, bud.
1: I don't know if it's luck or what, but it's, it's been pretty, pretty cool. Pretty neat.
0: Yeah. Well, if nothing else, it says that people need to be paying attention to you when you start to bring out this, this, this content that you're going to be putting out there because you obviously know what you're doing. Um, I've been hunting for like seven years and I'm in my thirties, right? But uh, I've only killed half of an elk. So uh, <laughs> a, a long way to go to catch up with you. I probably never will. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I'd, I
1: think that the, the biggest misconception is like when people go out and they elk hunt and, uh, there's a lot more pressure. I think that people put on themselves than is necessary. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of people will right now, especially there's a lot of people pushing back country hunts and, you know, like you got to go six miles in or, yeah. or the elk hunting is not good. Or, you know, if elk won't talk, then people are like, oh, it's just. They're not ready yet. And so they just yeah. won't go. Or people will go hunt in the morning before work and they'll go hunt after work and they won't hunt in the middle of the day, which, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But, but there's a lot of misconceptions, I think, in the hunting realm, the elk hunting realm, uh, especially September season, that uh, I think a lot of people have missed opportunities on.
0: Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. I agree. You know, the elk are always there. They live there, right? They're there 24 seven. So, you got to put in the time. Yeah. Um, and man, 17 elk. Oh my goodness. All right, Thomas. Well, let's, let's hear some of your stories, man. Why don't you set the stage for, for your first story? Kind of tell us where you are, who you're with, what you're doing. And, um, we'll, we'll go from there. All right. Um, let's see. Well, let's start with one that was
1: a uh, more of a funny story. Right. Um, I remember my first year I went out and I was going to go hunt um, by myself. This was the first year I was going to go hunt by myself. My birthday is uh, a day that my parents always gave me off of school, and so I went out and uh, was going to go. And my dad dropped me off uh, at the top of this mountain and was going to go pick me up after school. And uh, I remember he dropped me off, and it was middle of November. There's a spike tag with a rifle and I, I got there, I got out of the truck. I found some tracks and I started tracking them. And I was like, man, this is like, this is the zone. I'm going to get them. And then I I ran up and I, and there were, there were, you know, I could hear, I could hear them in the book, in the brush. And I, I get ready, you know, I find a good spot where I can, where I can, you know, set it up just nice. And a deer walks out and I'm like, oh my goodness, that was embarrassing. You know, it's a good thing. Nobody was there to to see that. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) like 10 elk walk right past the deer. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you don't, you don't see that every day. And then, but there were no spikes. And so I was just sitting there and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then they smell me and they just take off. And I was like, well, that was, you know, that was a pretty good bummer. So I kept kept walking and kept walking. And uh, I remember I I got to the top of this hill where I could see down into this little valley thing. Um, And I get to the top. And once I get to the top, I'm looking through my binoculars and then like snow starts coming down and visibility is just like nothing. Yeah. And uh, so I'm like, well, that was... Kind of a waste of time. So I go back, <laughs> I backtrack and uh, I'm starting to get a little bit tired now because the snow is a little bit deep. And I go back to where I ran across those elk and I was like, well, maybe I missed something. And so I started tracking them. And uh, my dad calls me and he's like, well, did you find anything? And I was like, no, I didn't find anything. And as I said that, once I answered the call and as I said that, I I just look and right in between two trees is this spike that's just looking at me and he's just hearing me talk and I'm like, crap. So I drop the phone (laughs) in the snow and I try to get set up to to get this spike and uh, he takes off and then I'm like, well, crap, I got to chase him down or, but you know, you're never going to chase an elk down. And then I take, how far was he like,
0: like a hundred yards, 50 yards? No, he was like 20. (laughs) He was like 20 yards. He had to. It's like like if you pulled your rifle up, all you're seeing is brown fur. He's that close. (laughs) I could have poked him with a stick. Like, I don't know. It was, uh, I was
1: a low, a low of the day. And then I I take a couple steps forward to see if, you know, I could get him to stop. And I'm cow calling, trying to get him to stop. Take a couple steps forward. Realize that I dropped the phone in the snow and don't know where the phone is. (laughs) <laughs> so I go back, pick up the phone, hang up with dad and uh, take another couple steps. And I just followed him until he bedded down again and just took my time. And then I, I ended up getting him later that day. But wow, uh, that was that was an interesting experience for sure.
0: That's pretty awesome. So was that the first time you'd been out there alone or was that just, you know, one of many times you were out there alone just happened to be your birthday?
1: That was the first time I was there alone because my mom didn't like it,
0: you know, but my dad was like,
1: he's he's old enough. So that was my first time going out alone. And I always kind of wanted to try to go out alone because, you know, you just you just want it. It's something that you want to try. It's not necessarily no. something that you want to do every time, but it's like that's kind of fun. It's kind of yeah. like kudos to you, you know.
0: Yeah, but for sure. I think that, what that birthday works, was uh... that? like your 17th, 18th. 13th so yeah
1: 16th birthday or okay. so yeah so that was that was pretty interesting that's uh, pretty but awesome Michael, how, long was, your, how
0: long has your dad been hunting I, I i feel like you have a pretty awesome mentor in your life and i'm thinking that that's him
1: yeah he started hunting when he was 16 okay and he started bow hunting
0: and he that started worked, with
1: bow hunting okay he started with bow hunting and he he did it with one of those old martin bows i don't know if you ever but they had like it was single cam and so one was just a circle and then the other one was had a cam on it and they shot like 210 feet per second you know like <laughs> yeah. i remember he used to tell me that if you could hit a paper plate at 30 yards you were ready to go yeah just because you know it was, it was so much different but. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I I started doing it, and when I got into bow hunting, I was like, I don't know, it was either that year or the year after I shot that spike, um,
0: and I started wanting
1: to get into bow hunting. And uh, when he and was, was it saying your that, your dad just,
0: did it, or was there something else that draw you to, or drew you to uh, bow hunting?
1: It was a uh, uh, bunch of YouTubers born and raised outdoors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, then I was like, man, I don't I've never seen because we always did the second season uh, muzzleloader tag. So elk don't usually call at that time unless they're in a really big group. And then they're like barking at you, you know, and they're running away. And so I didn't really know that. I mean, I knew the elk call, but I didn't know like the extent of all the all the emotion that's put into the rut. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I remember watching their their videos, and I was like, "Man, that's crazy." So then I asked my dad about it. My dad was like, "Oh yeah, like we used to do that all the time. We you'd just like whistle, and they would crack off." And I was like, "So well, what? In the maybe world? you know
0: this. Maybe you don't. But like, why did your dad switch from archery to more muzzleloader and rifle? Was it just opportunity? Like being in Oregon, maybe there was longer seasons for those. Um, yeah, or, or or was there something else?" I
1: think it was that because, uh, opportunity, because when he got married, you know, and started having kids, he he had a job and then it was just easier, I think, to have three months and go out in the morning and at night than it would be to, uh, have that archery season.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. I'd do the same thing.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, I think that's why he switched and that's when I got started, but I, I, I
0: love archery
1: hunting so much. It's a different, it is a different Game a different kind of playing field.
0: Yeah, I've said this on the podcast before, but like I and I did not switch for the same reason you did. Um, I started muzzleloader and then I went to archery only because uh, I was like, I don't want to hunt in November anymore. Like this sucks; it's too cold. <laughs> it's <laughs> so cold. I was like, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a bow and I'm gonna hunt in September when it's a little bit warmer, and I'll, I'll figure the rest out. And so then I started of course, you know, YouTube, you know, Randy Newberg and you know, all the different guys out there. And it was like, wait a minute, this is pretty cool. Uh, and I didn't really love archery until I started shooting 3D stuff. So I don't know if you do much 3D shooting, but like going to a shop and shooting 20 yards at a bunch of circles, it's not for me. Uh, I couldn't no. get behind it. And I was like, eh, I go. And I, and I would go occasionally because I was like, yeah, I need to be good. So when I go hunting, uh, granted, I've never really shot at any animals, and that's my own problem. We'll not talk about that. Um, but, uh, shooting at you know, foam animals in the mountains, all of a sudden I was like, this is amazing. Like, I love this. And, um, and hopefully I can translate that over to actual you know critters and, and hunting seasons. But, uh, yeah, archery is, archery is pretty special, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I like doing 3d stuff too. I don't, I don't much care for target practice in my opinion, but, uh, I think a lot of that has to do with broadheads. Um, I think practicing with broadheads is way underutilized. And so I like to do 3d shoots and stuff, but I like to do it with my broadheads. People look at me funny, but
0: yeah, I know. I think the yeah. place I've ever been would say just no, they're not allowed to do broadheads, but I, I think you're probably right. It yeah. Some, of them, you're, some of them. Different. No. Yeah.
1: Some of them do allow different things, but, uh, and I would definitely
0: check that before you go to a 3d shoot. Um, tack, but, you show up to tack with nothing um, yeah. which is total archery challenge for the people that don't knows but uh you show up with a bunch of broadheads they'll they will not let you up there they'll kick you out yeah man. yeah <laughs> that's yeah. good man well what else you got for us thomas we always i always get off track with miscellaneous things and talking about you know obviously the stuff that we all love but we're here to hear stories so do you got any other good ones for us yeah um let's see
1: i can say that uh, Let's start with archery hunting. Um, Three years ago or two years ago is when I started getting to know the elk nut. If you don't know the elk nut, his name is Paul Medell. That guy is like a wizard. He is from McCall, Idaho, and he had elk coming on his property. And long story short, he just fed the elk, kept them on his property year round and like recorded all the the behaviors that they had and the noises that they made when they were in certain situations and then kind of like designed a language for elk hunting
0: and figured out how to call them in it's pretty awesome he has a for those that don't know he has an app um what is it called the elk nut is that right Yeah, yeah i listen to it every day i well i listen to it i practice with it so i drive about 20 minutes to the gym every morning so I get about 40 minutes to and back, right? 20 and 20. Uh, and I'm, I'm calling in my truck every morning listening to Paul Model. And another thing, and I've never said this on the podcast, but people love telling their hunting stories. Every person I've ever asked to be on this podcast that I've actually gotten a hold of, that my message didn't fall into, the, you know, the, wherever. Yeah. They never saw it. Paul's the only person that said, no, thank you. So he's my, he's my like unicorn. He's the guy that I want to get on this podcast because he's the only person to say no so far. Um, and I've got some pretty big people lined up in the future, but, uh, yeah, Paul Medell, if you guys don't know him, check him out. He is, he's an elk whisperer. Wouldn't you say Thomas? Yeah, he is. He's yeah. good. And
1: I actually, he's actually going to be on our, uh, so we're going to be offering master classes and long story short, he's going to be on there. Um,
0: so that'll Tell him be to hit really me cool. up, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I said, he's, he's my unicorn. I got to get him on here. <laughs> if you ever <laughs> watch any of his stuff like the, the, what is it? The elk, um, the elk collective. He's got a yes. bunch of courses on there on the elk collective and he tells some amazing stories and I'd love to have him on and, and hear some of his stories, but yeah, no, that was I t- a game changer. Yeah. And so yeah, let's, my, let's go to your story. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, you're all good.
1: So my first couple of years, archery hunting, I shot, um, the, the regulations in Oregon were that you could shoot any bull, uh, with a bow. And so my first two years I shot spikes, and then my third year, I shot a raghorn, and then uh, my next year, I started listening to Paul, and I started watching his things. And you know, like I, I did kind of the same thing. I, I listened to it every day, and I would practice, and I'd practice, and uh, I got, I got pretty, pretty decent at it. And I, I started to realize that he was right, and it wasn't just. It started to be the like this chess game that you would have with elk and it was like you not only could you call in different elk at different times of the day and in different uh moments of the rut but you could you could choose and I found myself being able to choose whether I called in cows or spikes or raghorns or mature bulls and so that was kind of that was a really just really cool season and I feel like I remember um we keep track of this every year but my first couple of years i don't know if i called anything in on purpose but that year we called in like 56 bulls to bow range
0: shit. <laughs> under
1: under 50 yards and uh like within bow range
0: this and is all in so, oregon or do you hunt multiple states
1: uh this is all in oregon all right and uh so that was really neat but the other thing to, to remember about that is uh, I had a lot of experience with the muzzleloader and it was all in the same area. So I knew where the elk were and I had just got in there and was able to call at them. And I remember this year we were doing a lot of that and uh, we called in a, a, a little herd that had a, a spike and a few raghorns, and a smaller six-point bull, and the bigger bulls hadn't moved in to take over the herd yet, so it's just kind of these dinky guys that were just kind of moving around, and I remember we called one, and this uh, cow came out because she was trying to find the herd, and so I, I was just trying to keep my wind out of her face, and she uh, luckily just went right past me, And, um, but when she went past me, I think she may have been in heat a little bit because then all of a sudden these bowls that were downwind of her just started cracking off. And it was kind of interesting. It was, it was pretty cool. You know, you get like the hair on the back of your neck, standing up and you're you're, like ready to go. Um, and then like the worst thing happens, like this little raghorn bowl comes up. And he starts sniffing around. And I know that the, I mean, usually I don't have the restraint to, to not shoot. I shoot whatever, you know, is in front of me, but I saw the six point right at the edge of where I could see. And he went back into the timber and the smaller bull was up sniffing around and he, I, I come back around trees so this big bull can't see me. And I call the little bull uh, and it, he, he keeps coming and he keeps, you know, digging into my business. And so I'm like, well, this is not good. I'm going to have to shoot this bull or I'm going to have to just come at it another day. And as I'm thinking that, I'm like, well, I'll probably just come out another day. And I look up again and he's right there, like no way. 15, <laughs> 20 yards away. And I'm like, crap. And he knows that it's me. He knows what I am. And he just takes off. And then I remember this little episode that I watched with Paul and he was like, you know what, if one just, if one does that to you, just act like a bigger bull and chase him. And I'm like, there's no way this is going to work, but I've already busted <laughs> him. So I might as well. So yeah. I start screaming and I chase him off and then the bigger bowl comes up to that same spot to investigate and see, you know, what was going on. And I had no idea that he was going to be doing this. And I was raking. And at first I had myself set up in a really good spot to shoot. You know, I had my, my lanes picked out. I had my ranges, but then remember I backed around into the trees so he couldn't see me. And he came up to me in those trees and he sat in the same spot that that smaller bowl sat, but I didn't have a shot. Oh, no, <laughs> I know. Just lessons learned. I, that was just so stupid. And I was kicking myself and I was like, well, crap. I mean, maybe I could thread it through, you know, but it's probably not a good idea. And so he also saw me and ran off and I was like, man, that was just not
0: fortunate. Um, oh Man, that's funny, though. You know how often stories end up where the person's like, man, if I had just stayed put, <laughs> I know. Or like every other story ends up with that exact sentence. It's just, it's a
1: dilemma of the soul of an elk hunter. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's inescapable, but that was, that was pretty pitiful uh, especially because, you know, I just learned and when that smaller bowl came up to me, I said, I was like, I'm not going to be able to shoot them from here anyways. I'm just trying to get them off my tail. And, uh, then I stay there. That's the worst part. The worst part is I purposefully (laughs) stayed there and did that. And, uh, a few days later we went in and we tried a different spot. And, uh, I learned from that experience a little bit, a little bit. And, uh, we're my, I'm with my dad this time and, uh, we're going down into the, into uh kind of right up against a wilderness area um so you couldn't drive in or anything like that and um there are tons of hunters and we're like crap you know this is this is not ideal there's just you throw a stick and there's somebody there and uh we're like well where should we go so we find this just hole at the bottom of this ravine that's just so thick and so nasty. But at the bottom of it, there was an old logging road. So we're like, well, we'll just hike to the bottom of it and walk the logging road and see what's down there. And so we go down there and we get to the road. uh, We start walking around and I start calling for this. You know, my dad and I were doing this kind of a sequence where my dad is the uh, cow the lead cow and a couple other cows, and I'm the the bull in the back, and we keep you know twenty yards distance between us, and we start doing that routine while as we're walking down the logging road to see if anything will will make itself known. And this big bull, and it was it sounded like a dinosaur just bugled one time, and we were like, oh yes, this is it. And he comes in to uh, he comes in to investigate. And he sees me raking a tree. I didn't hide myself good enough. And I'm like, <laughs> crap. And he is like huge. It's just, this is like the biggest bowl that I've seen on public land. It was just huge. Yeah, I mean, on one, one score, side. What do you think? Oh, Oh, man, I hate to do that. But I actually have video of, I think it's the same bowl in rifle season. But I would say he's like, I don't know, three eighty. That's a big, he's a, he's a big toad for, for this area. I mean, that's, that's monster. Um, and so we're there and he's looking at me and, uh, I've got the stick in my hand and I'm like, well, crap, what do I do now? (laughs) And he just turns around and runs off. And so my dad and I, we, we kept going down the logging road and, uh, we start calling again and then we stop and we're like, well, should we try to chase after that big bull and see if we can get him or not? And we're talking in a normal voice, like just having an everyday conversation. And all of a sudden my dad sees on the Hill, these antlers that are just walking through the bush and he points up to it. And, uh, I get myself in a good position and, uh, I get myself ranged up and he steps out, but you can't see his, uh, the kill zone yet, but he's broadside. And so uh, we're just waiting for him to take one more step. Just how many one yards more roughly step.
0: like 30, 40.
1: He was uh 45. Okay. 50. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, he, we're just like one more step, just take one more step. And he takes one step back. And we're like, oh, no. And then my dad throws or I mean, not throws, but starts raking and then throws a stick. And uh, he takes two steps forward. And I'm able to pull back the bow and I shot and uh, he went down and then tried to get back up. And so I shot him again and then he uh, just kind of rolled
0: over and died.
1: It was pretty, that was pretty neat.
0: That's awesome. So that was was that the 380 or is that a separate bowl? That was a different bowl. Okay, okay. uh, I was gonna say. Okay, that's still awesome though to have that kind of experience, man. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's crazy. I mean, it was a five point bowl, but his eye guards were like 22 and a half inches long.
0: No shit. They were the
1: biggest eye guards I've ever seen on a five point bowl. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it was the son. I'll have to come back for the father.
0: Yeah, <laughs> how how many seasons ago is this? This was uh, two seasons ago. Okay, yeah, that big guy's probably still there, still, yeah. still haunting that logging road, man.
1: Yeah, I know those big ones. They they hide a lot closer than people think to roads.
0: I hear it, man. I um, yeah, it's funny driving in Colorado, going hunting. Like I, I drive up and over the Eisenhower Tunnel, which is like the main tunnel going on i-70 east and westbound and uh all year long there's no cars parked on the side of it but hunting season all of a sudden you just got guys just pulling over on the side of the highway and just hiking <laughs> up into the woods and granted there's not many other ways to get in there so i get it but uh, i'm sure that they're seeing plenty of elk right there i've never pulled, oh, yeah elk, um but i thought about it i thought about it a bunch of times so. yeah <laughs> yeah cool man well so was that the uh so was that your first archery kill with your dad, or is that just one of the fourteen that was just one kills of them. with your dad? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it, man. Yeah. Got it. Well, what, have you done any hunting other than elk, or is that really your your main thing? That's my main thing, but I've got a pretty funny, pretty funny story
1: of a deer hunt that I did one time. Muley or white tail? Muley.
0: Okay, let us have it, man.
1: And uh, okay, let's so let's see. Let's let's start the conversation by saying this is a unit that you have to put in a few years for, like three years okay. for. And so I put in for it. I got the tag, and I went up to go hunt. And the unit is almost all in wilderness area, so you can't drive in it. You got to walk in it, uh, just you or horses or whatever. And so my dad and I are like we want to try that backcountry backpacking experience. Yeah. So opening day, uh, we get up there and we start driving and it's really early in the morning. It's like four, uh, 30 in the morning. It's, and uh, you can kind of see where the sun is going to come up, but it hasn't come up quite yet. And once we get to the top of the mountain where we're going to, backpack into um the the sun is now in full shooting light and so we start driving along to the hill and we've got probably like 300 yards or 400 yards to the trailhead and uh right there right before we step out of the truck is this monster buck just sitting there (laughs) and we're like no freaking way we're like, well, this is like, you know, do we do we put our backpacks on, get out of the truck and then shoot it? So then we can at least say that we did it with backpacks on our back or do (laughs) we? I mean, it's just but like, yeah, I mean, what can you do at that point?
0: Yeah, you take what's given to you, man. You play the cards you're dealt, right?
1: (laughs) So he runs down down the hill and he uh, he's sitting there like 220 yards away, maybe. And uh, I shot him, and uh, we just drove the truck right next to him, loaded him up, and was done. But like my back, my biggest deer I've ever shot, and the backcountry experience that I applied for never came to fruition
0: because <laughs> we drove
1: right up to it.
0: it was That's pretty awesome. Have you had any backpack- back back? backcountry experience since then or was that just like the one trip you planned and just haven't gotten back to it not for deer man that that just kind of ruined the backcountry deer experience for me. that's funny Uh, funny you mentioned that i've i've not done much mule deer hunting but the biggest mule deer i've ever seen was literally like driving into my elk spot so uh and i didn't have a tag this particular year but i'm driving in and the road just like basically goes down takes a hard right, and then U-turns back and, like, drops down. Just a big old switchback. And in the bottom of the switchback, there's just a giant mule deer just sitting there. So it's like I drove basically a circle around this deer and was like, <laughs> man, if only I had a tag. And he was easily the biggest mule deer I've ever seen. And I've seen plenty of big mule deer. Um, but, yeah, it's just funny how it works out that way.
1: I know. Like, they're so – I mean, you you hear, like, Stephen Ranella or the meat eater talk about mule deer, and he's like, they're just so – majestic and smart and i'm like i don't know man they, I, i've driven on to some really stupid big bucks but yeah,
0: yeah. i don't think about them fun. being majestic or or smart but I, man, they'd look when they start doing that little hop i don't remember what that's called but man, it just, oh yeah man, makes me giggle every time it's just it's like the dumbest <laughs> thing an animal can do in the woods <laughs> you know, know. it's,
1: it's like, like i'm gonna run away with you run away from you in the most graceful way possible
0: yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip away at, from danger. It's just funny. It's a funny thing to see. If you've never seen a mule deer, and there is a specific term for it, but basically they just like hop, um, which makes for interesting tracks. But if you've never seen them do it, man, get out there into the west and check out some mule deer hopping because it's it's
1: <laughs> it's something it's else.
0: I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's just, it just makes me smile every time I see it. I'm, I'm not upset when a mule deer hops away because it's fun to watch. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, Thomas, you got any more for us? Otherwise, you've given us plenty. You tell me, man. If you got more stories, I'd love to hear them.
1: Let's see.
0: I don't know. I mean, I've got some pretty funny
1: bird hunting stories, but I don't really have a whole lot of other ones um, that are that that are worth entertaining. Well, why don't least. you give us
0: one? Give me one bird story, and then we'll wrap it up. What do you say? And then we'll talk a little bit about Vior. All right. So, um. I like
1: to, uh, hunt for, uh, upland game like pheasants and, and quail. We got quite a few of them around here. And, uh, I remember I went out with my little brother this time and he's probably 16. I'm like 18 or 20 and, uh, he's out there with me. It's one of his first bird hunts ever. And, uh, if you've ever pheasant hunted before you, have come across a point in time where you almost step on one because they just, they just hold right there and tell you just about step on their tail feathers. And I remember my brother came up on this pheasant and he uh, steps on it and, and actually steps on the tail feathers and <laughs> pins that bird to the ground. And then it, it gets out and it starts flying up around. And he, instead of shooting it, picks up a rock next to him and throws (laughs) it at this bird. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, shoot that thing. And he's like, I thought a rock would be faster.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He had his hand already? Did he like reach down and grab it off the ground? No, he
1: reached down and grabbed a rock to throw at this bird. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you've got a gun in your hand. And, uh, yeah, the bird got away, and uh, we, I just, I think, I think we may have packed up ship right there
0: and went back, because it That's scared so funny, the crap yeah.
1: out of them. That's but, so uh, funny. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> I was elk hunting one year, and this is a November elk hunt, and they're like, I have it a terrible year. The wind, it's like the high is 20, and like, we're camping, so it's cold, and we're in a wall tent, and I think there's a burn ban, which so like, I, we can't even set a fire, so it's just a miserable, miserable year. Uh, and again, uh, what I remember is the the cold was bad, but the wind is what really just got me. And I'm I'm walking through some dark timber, because I'm like, at least it give me reprieve from the wind. Um, <laughs> and I see and I see a grouse, and I and I'm rifle hunting for elk, so I'm like, well, I have a 270, I'm not gonna shoot a grouse with my 270. <laughs> so I'm like looking for rocks and and sticks to throw at this bird, I'm like, I'm gonna kill something. I've got my small game tag. So I reach down and I find a rock, and I'm like literally you know John Elway trying to just ping this bird with this <laughs> rock, so you know you know i uh I didn't have a shotgun, otherwise I would have killed it, unlike your brother, but uh I, I know how he <laughs> felt throwing a, to try to throw a rock at a bird because I've been there, man, I've been there. He was trying uh, to kill two birds with one stone, exactly, yeah, needless to say, that bird my bird got away before i even threw anything it just it, it <laughs> knew something was up and, and since then i've actually i picked up a small 22 because I, I always run into small birds when i have large caliber rifles so i have a small 22 just <laughs> to to get dinner for the night so yeah oh, man. yeah no well, same that's, thing that's a good one that's a good one go ahead
1: no i was just gonna say I, I do the same thing when i bow hunt for elk i always have a judo point on one of my arrows and I have one of those Easton, like Full Metal Jacket, indestructible arrow. I call it. It's like that's my bird arrow. And everybody yeah. makes fun of me for having a bird arrow, but I can't. I can't not have a bird arrow.
0: Yeah, I mean it's like Randy Newberg. Randy Newberg will have like a sixty dollar yeah. arrow and just chuck them at grouse. He doesn't care. He that's yeah. He'd go grouse hunting over elk hunting. So it's it's fun. It's it's a fun. It's that a fun is thing pretty fun. Yeah. Cool, Thomas, man. Well, I, I want to say thank you again for sharing your stories with us, man. They're a lot of fun. Um, I think we heard like three elk stories, so I know you got at least 14 more for us, maybe another day. Uh, but for now, let's tell the people about uh, Vior and like why we're doing this podcast so quickly, so urgency. You have a pretty awesome giveaway. So give us give us some details on, Let's before we get into the giveaway, what is Vior? Where'd the name come from? What are you trying to do? Let's start there. Uh,
1: yeah, so Vior came from, Uh, three of us and we actually met met uh, in the philippines funny enough and uh, it's actually a really funny story so we we were rooming together in the philippines and if you've ever seen the princess bride they have those giant rats
0: the philippines (laughs) has the forest where the flames are coming up yeah
1: (laughs) the philippines has those rats like you go to the markets there and these rats fight dogs for scraps. Wow. They kill cats. I mean, they're like, I mean, you, you can find some that are like a foot long, not including the tail. You know, there's massive rats. And I remember we you're sitting there and uh, we have concrete floors and we would guard our food at night from these rats with these like aluminum tent pole type things um so we'd sleep on the floor and we'd kill these rats in the middle of the night so that they wouldn't get in all of our food (laughs) okay yeah and uh i remember one night we started talking and we were like you know this is a weird twisted kind of hunting and then we started talking about hunting back home we were like you know what we should we should do this when we get back home we should start uh uh a system where we where we're able to go hunting all the time and share it with people because we all really liked born and raised outdoors they were kind of like the motivating factor for us to want to go out you know their their slogan is like educate entertain and inspire or something like that and yeah. so that's kind of what we wanted to do uh so we went from rat hunting to uh where we are now
0: you mind saying that again man i i my audio broke out but you went oh, from you're rat hunting to what to where we are now which is oh, okay. uh i guess we're just now getting starting and launched and ready to go but cool, uh
1: yeah. what we're gonna try so where, to do... where did
0: the name come from i want to start with that where, where oh yeah. yeah so vior is uh
1: nordic for the hunter
0: okay then cool. so
1: for no particular reason we just chose to do something that was like a little bit you know, ancient and traditional, yeah. but, uh, wanted it to be something that was a little bit memorable, a little bit different than, uh, some of the other options that we could have come up with.
0: Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I like it. And so you guys, you, you told me a little bit about this before we started recording, but you're kind of doing a interesting thing where you're like ramping up large before you even start. So go into that a little bit and then tell the people about your giveaway, man. And what we'll.
1: we'll- yeah, uh, so I, for that. I uh, like marketing. It's that's another one of my day jobs. Um, and uh, so we do this thing called a reactive startup. And what it is, is it's a way for a business to get capital um, so that you can have capital to start the business. Yeah. So it, it requires a lot of time, but not a lot of money. And so that's what we opted to do. And uh, we contacted a whole bunch of companies, big companies, um, and asked them if they would be willing to donate in exchange for the email list that we create for this giveaway. And that's that's all it is. That's all it is, is is, uh, we're just collecting an email list. And then uh, everybody who enters into the giveaway uh, can win some of these prizes. And we have actually a lot of prizes. I think we have like $4,000 in prizes, $5,000 in prizes. Um, So it's a pretty substantial giveaway and it's free to enter. Uh, So that's kind of how we're starting to hope uh, in the hopes of uh, gaining some viewership before we launch. And then we'll start selling like uh, uh, classes. We'll start selling them. And we want to be, our goal is to sell the most value for the least price. Like I know a lot of other courses out there, like a hundred bucks for a year long subscription or something like that. We want to charge like, ten dollars and you get to choose two courses per year
0: and you can change
1: after every year you know we want to make it accessible and uh, we want to hunt in all 50 states we have a project that we're launching called the big 50 and we're going to hunt in and fish in all 50 states it's going to take us like five six years Um, but we want to show everybody across the nation that it's you know hunting is accessible and it's everywhere and there's lots of opportunities to go and do it um, and it's not that hard or it doesn't even have to be that expensive to start.
0: Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, I'll, I'll help you out down here in Texas. Um, I think my listeners know that I moved from Colorado, Texas recently. I don't have a lease yet, but I'm working on it. And as soon as I do, Thomas, man, you're welcome to come down and uh, help me shoot some hogs. I think you can probably teach me a thing or two, even though, uh, um, yeah. you've probably never been hog hunting.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're going to cool, be going man.
0: down in June, actually with the ranch Fairy, If you've ever heard of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I have. It's another guy I've been meaning to reach out to. He, uh, I met him briefly at uh, Dan Staten's Elk Shape Camp in 2022, and he was talking, of course, about heavy arrows. Yeah, that's what we're testing. We're testing arrows and broadheads. That's cool, man. That's cool. So um, when, uh, So tell people how they can enter your contest and when people are being drawn, and then when, of course, you guys are going live with some of the content that you're putting out. And then we'll wrap this thing up. Yeah. Um, so the giveaway
1: started Thursday and it goes till April 7th. Gotcha. Um, and there's a link in all the companies that are participating, or you could go to our page, VR outdoors and Instagram. And I got a link there. You just click it, put your name in your email and you're done. And, Perfect. and,
0: I'll, and I'll go ahead and put a link to that in my show notes. So anyone who's listening just click on the episode and, and you'll be able to click right there and, and register for the um, register for the giveaway. I actually skip one thing, Thomas, what is in the giveaway? What what, what are the people possibly going to win?
1: So we have a,
0: uh, a full
1: backpack uh, loadout from Rockman Waterproof. Um, and they that also comes with a bino case, a waterproof bino case and a waterproof rifle case that clips right into the backpack. It's a really cool system. I've never seen anything like it. Um, but that's a really cool system. They're also, that's the grand prize winner. And they're also going to win tooth of the arrow broadheads, Um, the Morel dice foam target, their high roller target, um, in elk nut app subscription. And, uh, I think that's it for the first, for the grand prize. The second place winner is going to win, uh, a full set of Scree camo, head-to-toe jackets, gloves, nice. you know, the whole thing, and an Elk Nut subscription. Third place is going to win 12 of Easton's brand-new Sonic 6.0 Arrows. Uh, fourth place is um, Onyx subscription, an Elite Onyx subscription. Fifth place is uh, six broadheads from Tooth of the Arrow
0: nice and then
1: seventh eighth and ninth place are going to Damn. be elk Nut, uh, <laughs> everybody wins be, yeah there's gonna be 10 winners so seventh eighth and ninth place are elknut uh, app subscriptions and then tenth place is going to be a, uh, a subscription to our master classes you'll get to choose awesome. any courses that you want any two awesome
0: awesome man well that's super cool well thank you again yeah. for reaching out to me. Uh, thank you, of course, for coming on and, and sharing your stories. You got some good ones, especially for only being in your like early 20s. Um, I wish I had 17 Elks on, under my belt. Um, but, man, Thomas, this was fun, man. We'll stay in touch. And, um, yeah, guys, I'm going to post everything about all of this on my Instagram and in the show notes. So if you have any questions, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to myself or Thomas at Vior. So thank you, man. I appreciate yeah.
1: it. I appreciate it, too. Thanks for having me.
0: And, uh, yeah. if they want to do uh,
1: future giveaways, we have one coming out, a rifle one and a fly fishing one coming out before July.
0: Awesome. Oh yeah. And when do you, when are you actually going to start putting out not only like your classes, the master classes, but your, um, our other but, content, uh, but your other content, when's that, when that rolling out?
1: So we're, we're working on the content right now. We have an ice fishing trip that's coming out and, uh, we've got some Turkey hunts that are underway. And that will be happening like within the week or okay. next week.
0: Awesome. Cool. Well, oh. guys, we're on the, we're on the ground floor here. Um, enjoy what Thomas and his uh and, and your team are putting out. I haven't met any of the other guys, but I'm sure you guys are going to uh gonna do something cool. So I appreciate it, man. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys, that's it. Another couple stories in the books. I want to thank Thomas, of course, for coming on the podcast. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, from when he first reached out to me till we were recording was like less than 16 hours. So um, usually doesn't happen that quickly. And so get out there and, and sign up for his contest. Um, there's a lot of great prizes and a lot of people win. So 10 winners, not just the typical like one, two or three. So lots of stuff out there. And so, uh, all the links you need are in the show notes. So just go ahead and look below, follow VR Outdoors, follow Thomas and his buddies, uh, make sure you register for the podcast. And then as important as any of that stuff is share our podcast. Um, if you want other people to enter, send them this, have them listen. Hopefully they listen to some additional stories as well. And, uh, we hear some, uh, or hear from some of those folks as to some of the great stories that they have that they want to share on the podcast. So that's it, guys. Again, thank you, Thomas, for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories. And thank you all very much for listening. And go out there and make some stories of your own. Thank you.